Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, my final guest epitomises the idea of triumphing over adversity. Having suffered a severe back injury, which he describes as the best thing that ever happened to him, Denny Collins is now a successful entrepreneur who is helping people to master the world of crypto. Denny, I'd like to start the interview by taking you back to your childhood and a dream which has been the dream of so many children across the world, and that's to get rich. And I believe it was your parents that acted as the inspiration for this dream. Good morning, Carl. Thanks for having me on. Yes, I suppose seeing my parents struggle for money all their life, despite both my parents working hard, my dad worked for himself and he worked pretty much 12 hours most days, he worked Saturdays. And uh, despite this, I, I always seen them struggle for money and my inspiration was always just get rich so they don't have to worry about this money thing that I see them constantly worrying and stressing over. And that was my, my, my sort of drive uh, initially from, from childhood. When did Denny Collins first demonstrate his entrepreneurial flair? We were a poor family, so if you sort of wanted that, you had to sort of create it for yourself. Um, and I suppose I always had little jobs, um, milk rounds, kitchen porter, all the stuff like that. But I lived in uh, where I'm from in Donabay, we're surrounded by golf courses. And uh, the golf courses all have lakes and the golfers hit the ball in the lake. And, and I got myself a pair of wellies and I'd go in, I'd fish the golf balls out, I'd take them home, wash them, I'd sell them back to the golfers. I'd uh, sell them back to the golf course and they'd sell them to the golfers and they'd hit them in the lake. And that was my first business and I worked that business pretty much from eight years of age um, all the way all the way through for sort of four or five years. And it was sort of funny because there was actually a man and that was his that was his full-time job as well. And then in competition with him was this eight-year-old and it would be funny like whoever arrived at the lake first that day, you know, got the ticket across the best ball. <laughs> but that was my first, my first business, I suppose, was my, a golf ball collecting business. So while you had been successful in your early entrepreneurial endeavours, you followed the conventional employment route. Why was this the case? Yeah, I, I suppose, like, as I say, I always wanted to be rich. So I was like, I'm just going to work really hard. And, and, and people tell me to work hard and get a job and, and save money. So I sort of went down that route. And I, I ended up in that route. And I had my job and I was working hard and I was living below my means. And I, and I, was, I was saving money, but I, I still never had enough money. And I always found it was like, okay, I need to earn more money. I, I just sort of fell into the, to, to the trap that we all sort of, not, not we all, but, but, but many of us just, just end up in and you take a job and, and then you just end up in that routine, I suppose. And there is a lot to be said in this life for having a fixed, reliable income and to be able to walk in the door of an office or job at 9am and, and finish at half five and leave it all behind you. Definitely, yeah, 100%. And that's the, that's the entrepreneurial journey is that, is that we, we give up that. We give up working uh, eight-hour days to work 24-hour days. <laughs> and make the ultimate sacrifices along the way. Yeah, and we do it for freedom. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. You then suffered a terrible back injury, but strangely enough, you described this as the best thing that ever happened to you. Correct, yes. I suppose it's ironic, it's funny, but, but in life sometimes big things that happen to us to change the direction of our life uh, can be the best thing. I had a bad back accident. I ended up not being able to walk, lying in the hospital bed, staring at the ceiling, and suddenly, you know, material possessions weren't important. All that was important to me was, like, can I ever get out of pain? Can I ever get out of this bed? And if I do, I'm going to look at life very differently. I'm going to be more motivated to look after my health and look after my body. And, and, um, and that was a turning point in my life. It turned me from... from um, 
it, it sort of gave me a passion for fitness because I took my rehabilitation on myself. Initially, I didn't want to. I didn't want to take responsibility. It was just surgeons fixed me and I was two surgeries in and still not getting any better. So then I don't know what pivoted, but I was just like, right, I'm going to try and help this process along instead of just blaming the surgeons. It's not their fault. It's my fault. My back is injured. And uh, so I got uh, really passionate about health and I, I studied to become a physical therapist. I studied to become a personal trainer um, just, just to learn more about the body to help my own rehabilitation. And then as we got super fit, got super strong over period of years, I rehabilitated my spine to the degree that I was able to go and do an Ironman triathlon two years after uh, one of my back surgeries. And, but, but I found with the fitness, I also got not just out of pain and um, healthy, I suppose, but I got a confidence and energy, a self-belief and motivation that I'd never experienced before. And I was like, wow, this fitness is amazing. Like, look at all the byproducts that you get from this. There's like no downside. And that was when I decided I need to, I need to do this as a career. I need to teach other people that, lads, if you just get moving and get strong, it's amazing. Come on, try it. So talk to us now about what happened after the rehabilitation. After the rehabilitation, I decided I was going to create a fitness business. As I said, I was like, well, I feel amazing. And sure, I was lying in the hospital bed, not able to walk. The surgeon said the best scenario was you'd have a good limp forever. Forget about rolling or any of that crack. Um, so I was like, well, I was in that situation. And now here I am. I'm after doing Ironman Tratland. I'm as fit as Lee. Sure, I, I can teach other people this. And like I said, the fitness was my passion. And I think when you have a passion for something, you have a great energy and a, and a positivity about it. And uh, so I set up Dini Collins Fitness uh, about 13 years ago, and it's still in existence today. It runs as a business. Um, and we've transformed the lives of thousands of people locally around um, North County Dublin area. And, and the, the, the whole view is, is just get moving and have fun, make fitness fun. I think a lot of times when it comes to fitness, people think it has to be difficult and um, it has to be really restrictive diets and difficult training sessions, and that'll get results short term. But, but I come at a totally different angle. I'm like, no, 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 you got this all wrong. If you enjoy it, you'll do it consistently. If you do it consistently, you'll have results. For how long? Not just for 12 months, 12 week transformation. You'll have results forever. I want you to enjoy doing this, and you should enjoy doing it. If you're doing it at the appropriate level, if you're a beginner and you're murdering yourself, well, that's not the appropriate level. I never murdered myself in training. I've never made myself vomit. And I've, since my back accident 15 years ago, I've maintained a, quite a high degree of fitness by having that attitude of it's enjoyable, it's fun, and it should be like that. So I look forward to doing it. My training, whatever exercise I'm going to do, whether it's yoga or a jog or some weights or whatever it is, it is always one of the highlights of my day that I'm sort of working my day around to fit it in, not a chore that I have to do it just so I can fit into my clothes. And uh, so I went on and, and Dini Collins Fitness was... Uh, was sort of the pivot of, of the back accident. Um, it, it sort of steered me into creating a fitness business and, and uh, pursuing that. You make an interesting point in relation to fitness, but I suppose motivation is one of the things that holds people back from engaging in it. How do you make fitness fun? The best way is community. The only thing that's missing in fitness is, like, anyone can open up a computer and they'll get all the free workouts, all the free diet plans, but none of that stuff works. What's missing in fitness and most gyms, um, you know, the successful ones have this. They have accountability and they have community. And both of them things is, is what's so important for getting results. It doesn't matter what sort of exercises you do. Um, it matters more that you have community and you have some accountability. And the motivation comes, like, I suppose motivation comes from momentum. You know, getting started is the hardest thing. 
and it just builds and just take it step by step by step. But also, if, you, if you're in a network, you're not always going to feel like training. I don't feel like training every single day. That's why I leverage other people's motivation. And I have friends and all the different sports and hobbies I do. I have a group of friends, and one day I mightn't be interested in, in, in going out on a mountain bike, but my buddies will. Like, come on, Danny, we'll go. I know it's raining, but come on, let's do it. And there's going to be days when they're, they might be feeling like going. I'd be like, come on, we're going. Let's have it. So I think having a community aspect, uh, which brings the accountability, I suppose, is, uh, is where motivation for, for me comes from. As you get fitter, as you get better results, you feel better. Like fitness is, fitness is, is all about momentum. You know, you feel better, you're stronger. Things that used to be hard are easier now. And, and I think it was Tony Robbins said, like, progress equals happiness. And that's the motto of, of Dini Collins Fitness. It's hashtag progress. We don't have to be there. We don't have to be perfect. But once we're a little bit better today or this year than we were last year, or once we're trying and putting in the effort, once we're making progress, that's where momentum comes from. And Dinny, talk to us about your first principles approach and ultimately how it benefits you. I always just think, like, what's the, what's the one thing that matters here with this? You know, what's the most important thing? In terms of fitness, I, I always go back to fitness because that's always been my bread and butter. It's something I've been immersed in uh, for, for such a long time now. But in terms of fitness, like, people, we can get caught up in the latest way or technique or new exercise and, and, like, all that really matters in fitness is that you move. Like, doing a push-up and doing a squat is probably two exercises that anyone can get as fit as they want. Just by focusing on them two exercises and obviously using the variables like the weight and the intensity and the rep range and such. But I suppose for me, first principles is always just about breaking stuff down, breaking it down, breaking it down. What's the number one thing that matters here, you know, in this situation to move me forward? Or how do I understand this thing? Well, there's so many variables, but what's the biggest one? What's the most important one? And what advice do you have for entrepreneurs when they encounter a problem? Is there a particular framework or process that you follow? What I always find with problems in in business is, and I'm sort of laughing here now, because, you know, at the time, they're life-ending. They're literally like, this is a disaster. This is going to ruin me. This is... There's no way of getting around it. But time always, you know, just a massive problem today, tomorrow is probably halved. Uh, so I, I, I'll generally try and not make a decision on stuff, not panic action into it, and just sit on it. And, you know, depending on the size of the problem, just sit on it and think about it. And, and, and uh, obviously, if it needs immediate action, I can take immediate action. But just to digest the situation and uh, before I decide on, on how I'm going to move forward. Now, I want to talk to you next about crypto and Bitcoin. What first appealed to you about these? In around 2016, I, I'd seen some people, friends that were involved, and I'd seen them made a lot of money with it. And then I'd seen them ultimately lose a lot of money. But it did get my interest. It was like, because I was busy building businesses, my businesses, and working on them. And in um, every then I was, I don't know how I even fell down this journey, but I ended up on the journey of sound money and gold. <laughs> and, and, and I suppose Bitcoin is basically digital gold. So the fact that I understood gold and, and money and scarcity, um, and then when I started to look at cryptos and, and seeing that some friends had had a lot of success but lost a lot of money, I was like, well, well clearly it's very powerful, um, but, 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 but what did they do wrong? And, uh, and how do I understand this thing? And, and should I understand? Is this worth my time? And uh, I suppose... When you're looking around at all the asset classes that, that there are, from you know property, stocks, um, bonds, precious metals, commodities, whatever, and then cryptocurrency, well, well, just with my first principles sort of style of thinking, it, crypto, Bitcoin is the most powerful asset class. So it can make you the most money 
the quickest. But I can also lose you the most money the quickest or take the most money from you the quickest. So, so then I was like, well, if I'm going to focus on one of these asset classes, let's have a look at the most powerful one and let's tread carefully. So if, for instance, we experience a global recession, how do you think Bitcoin is going to perform during that? It's, it's very difficult to predict what Bitcoin's going to do in the short term. Like, possibly Bitcoin will go down, everything will go down, um, including the, the purchasing power of our currencies. So it's almost like, well, where do you hide? Where is the safe haven? Um, so with Bitcoin, I try and not focus on the short term. I focus more on long-term thinking on, on you know, seeing where this asset go, is going over the next 10 years. And I treat is, you know, is it a currency? Is it a money? Is it a property? Is it an investment asset? It's all of those things. But treating it as an investment asset, it's, it's more of a long-term thing. I, uh, in crypto, we teach people when we're building the portfolios to, you know, think of this as a minimum of a four-year holding period on the asset. You know, and that's going to protect you from short-term volatility. And what advice do you have for anybody today that's considering dipping their toes into the world of Bitcoin? I would say invest into education first. You know, you can learn two ways. Again, again Tony Robbins. <laughs> you, can, you can figure something out yourself over years and waste your time, waste your money, or, or you can pay someone to teach you in a weekend and you get to, to leverage that knowledge for years and save your money. So I would say invest into education. For me, that was my biggest return. And um, as I said, when I did see my friends lose a lot of money, I was like, OK, well, in fitness and building that business, I invested really heavily in, and I continually reinvested into education, into growth uh, of the company. And I, I, I experienced huge returns on that. So when I was coming into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency a couple of years ago, I was like, OK, well, I, I need to find the best people I can afford in the space who have the most success and I need to pay them to teach me what they're doing. So I would always say invest into education uh, and tread carefully. I would say Bitcoin and crypto are very, very different things. Uh, again, first principles, Bitcoin is the majority of the whole market. So why try and learn one altcoin, which is 0.01% of the market, when you can learn you know, 50, 60% of the whole market just by understanding one thing? What happens when Bitcoin is regulated right around the world? When Bitcoin is regulated right around the world, it'll probably be worth about half a million per Bitcoin because there's so much money sitting on the sidelines that can't get access to the asset class. This is the beauty of, of Bitcoin. In, in most other situations, when a new technology comes about, it's, uh, you know, there's a private market, and it's only for sophisticated investors. And the retail people, they can't get access to it until it's already overinflated. But with Bitcoin, it's been the opposite in that it's, it's been available to the individual before it's available to the institution. So regulation will be a good thing for Bitcoin. It will allow the asset to go up in orders of magnitude. It's inevitable every, that regulation is coming. And uh, I think the, um, the administration in, in the US, which is sort of what the world follows, has been very pro-Bitcoin. And, um, and there, there's, just a, there's just a push from institutions. Give us the regulation we need. We want access to this thing. Denny, you now spend your time delivering Bitcoin workshops. So what motivated you to do that and who attends these? Yes, I do workshops and consulting uh, in crypto with Denny. Uh, we basically build plans for people to retire early. My motivation for doing it was the exact same as my motivation for creating a fitness business. By me learning to understand Bitcoin, it allowed me to not have any worries about my future, to be more financially sound than I was before I understood it, and, and Bitcoin is basically the solution to the world. At the moment, half of the world is unbanked. 
half of the adult world in this day and age is unbanked. Bitcoin fixes that. And I'll just give a very quick example. In El Salvador, the IMF banked 30% of the population in 40 years of work. 40 years, 30%. Okay? In four months of them going onto a Bitcoin standard, they banked another 30% of the population. So Bitcoin done in four months, what our regular financial system took 40 years to do. And that's the power of this thing, because every human has a mobile phone and pretty much internet. Mobile phone saturation is pretty much worldwide, as is internet. Okay, so Bitcoin, yes, it'll make people wealthy, but, but it, it, it's bigger than that. It actually creates equal opportunities for everyone on the planet. So for me to be able to work on something that I'm super passionate on, to be able to help awareness in Ireland and teach Irish people that this can't protect a person power, it's not a get-rich-quick because of such asymmetry, which means there's so much more upside than downside, you don't need to have huge exposure. But to have zero Bitcoin, you're arguing with some of the smartest money managers in the world right now. And I know in Ireland, I think a lot of our talking heads, they just haven't done the work. There's no one who's done 100 hours work on Bitcoin who doesn't turn around and go, okay, I was wrong about this thing. I underestimate it's not a Ponzi scheme. It's not a get-rich-quick. It's not just for drug dealers. This is actually a technology that's going to change our world. Last question this morning for you is in relation to crypto. There's over 18,000 different cryptocurrencies on the market today. Where would somebody even start to investigate that market? So crypto is venture capital investing. And that means they're like, they're like startup companies. Okay, so that means they have a 90% failure rate in five years. And, 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 and you can fact check this. Go back five years and look at coin market cap. And it's a completely different list than you'll see today. So and go back another five years and the same is true. The only truth that I know is that Bitcoin is very, very different, okay? And for, since crypto has started, Bitcoin has always been at the very top. Now, Bitcoin can succeed and everything else can go to zero. But the opposite isn't true. If Bitcoin doesn't succeed, I don't believe anything else can or will succeed. Because we know when Bitcoin goes down, the whole market goes down. Bitcoin shoots up, the whole market shoots up. So I would say to people, if you're going to invest into this market, learn how to dollar cost average, um, which protects you from the volatility. Uh, and, and try and understand Bitcoin and invest a little bit of your time before you invest money. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Dinny Collins from Crypto with Dinny, and I'd like to thank Dinny for sharing his inspirational story with us this morning. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast.